Thank you, Jeremy. One of, a, one of the hard things about being a pastor is you don't get to go around and see your children and grandchildren. And so I've asked if you'll let me have a pastoral privilege. I've asked uh, our youngest Dallas girl, uh, Georgia, to come up and quote some scripture for us, if that's all right with you. All right? If it's not, we're going to do it anyway, but I mean, I want you to be all right with it, but all right. All right, Georgia. Luke 2, 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed everyone into his own country. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, but the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Luke 2, 1 through 14. All right, that'll be the sweetest thing you'll hear this morning. <laughs> I will keep it short, though. I know we got kids in here, and I know that, uh, are we playing bingo today? Is there kids, are we playing, but no bingo? Okay, all right, all right. Then, then we won't have to worry about those words, all right? Uh, what a thrill to see you here on the day after Christmas. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we'll be looking at this morning. As we think about those last words uh, that uh, Georgia just said, glory to God in the highest. Uh, glory to God in the highest. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Father, thank you today how precious it's been to just sing your praises and to, Lord, just be drawn by your Holy Spirit into your presence. I ask you, Lord Jesus, now, would you cleanse me? Would you empower me with your Holy Spirit? And would you open the ears and the hearts of those who are listening that your will would be done in every life that's in this place today. We'll give you the praise and the honor and glory, but you alone receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're uh, in the uh, city of Corinth here. The church was uh, in Corinth. It's a big city. Uh, it's a metropolitan area uh, in this day. Uh, it was the host of the Isthmian Games, uh, that's from the Olympics. The Olympics started back in 776 B.C. And the Isthmian Games was every other year uh, that the Olympics was not. And so it's a big thing. It's a, it's a big thing. It's also, someone has said that uh, Corinth was like the Greek Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a wicked city. Had everything in the world, false idols and goddesses, the temples and everything. And Romans 1.18 kind of sums it up. Uh, uh, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his external power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, and here's the key, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And uh, this cause, down to verse 26 of Romans 1, this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. They knew God, but they worshiped him not. The sin and the wickedness and the perversion. And uh, when he wrote Romans 1, he was in Corinth at that time there. And sin is on every hand. There's immorality, there's perversion, there's no shame, no embarrassment whatsoever. It was a slave capital of the world. Uh, many of the slaves worked underground in the bronze mines and they never saw the light of day. And people would ooh and ah at their statutes and everything they made. And uh, it was just a wicked, all-around city. Many advised Paul, do not go to Corinth. Don't go. Don't go. But Paul rejected them, and he said, I'm going to Corinth. You know, the best place to be is in the will of God. I'll go ahead and tell you this while my family's all here. That way they can all be mad at all at the same time. You know, sometimes it's better just tell all of them at the same time, and that way you don't have to put up with all of it one by one by one by one. But I'm praying this year in 2022 that God will let me go one more time to Kenya uh, to do a conference there in Kenya. 
I'm I'm not decided upon it yet, baby. Just calm down. I'm not totally true. (laughs) But I'm telling you the best place to be when God says be is where God says be. And so in spite of all of the sin and the the evil and the, the wickedness, God built a church in Corinth. And not just any church. It was a great church. It was a tremendous church. They were on fire for God. It reminds me that God can build a church anywhere. Anywhere he desires to build a church. In spite of what was happening in the city, if you wanted to know something about Jesus, go to the church at Corinth. In spite of all the wickedness, if you wanted to know what Jesus did, you could find the testimony of Christ confirmed in that place. Can you imagine being the readers as they opened up the letter that Paul had written them. And and many of them had been led to the Lord by Paul. He had had, uh, seen them through salvation and baptism. He taught many of them in discipleship. He had given his labor there. He had given his love there. He had given his loyalty there. He'd given his very life to Corinth. Those were people, some of them rich, some of them noble, some of them influential. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla had to be there. They were on fire for the Lord. Uh, Justice, Christmas, uh, Erastus was the treasurer. He had to be there. Stephanus, and you could go on and on. And they came together to read the letter from Paul. And he says in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you this right up front. We don't have any apostles today. One of the requirements for a true apostle was to see the resurrected Christ. And there's nobody around here today that was living back there when Jesus was resurrected. So I just said, well, we've got people who have the apostle name. Well, we've got people who got a lot of names. But I'm just telling you, you see, we don't need any apostles today. We don't need any more signs today. We don't need any more wonders today. We've got the completed Word of God from Genesis through Revelation, inspired and inerrant. And anything you want to know about God, you can find right here in this book. We don't need any new revelation. We don't, all we need is somebody to get on fire for Jesus. And they came together. Second uh, Timothy 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given of inspiration of God and is profitable for a doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction that man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture, not part of it. This isn't Luby's here this morning. You don't take what you want and leave the rest of it at the counter. It's all of it. All of it. If I was dividing this book, and I may be preaching through it, I'm not sure. We'll wait and see what God does. Uh, I would have to say there's two parts here. There's the church, and then there's at Corinth. The church at Corinth is what the Word of God says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. So division one would be under the church of God, and division the two would be at Corinth. The church of God really <laughs> shouldn't have anything to do with at Corinth. Uh, Ships don't sink because they're in the water. Ships sink because the water is in the ships. 
Churches don't sink because they're in the world. Churches sink because the world is in the church. God's created the church to sail through this world. And I know people saying, well, we're going to, the church is not, not relevant. It's not going to, oh, hogwash. Let me tell you, the church is going to be here until Jesus comes again. He's going to come for the New Testament church. Churches were made to sail in this world and through this world. The church has something special that the world doesn't have. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this rock. He's talking about Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've got something special. The world doesn't have that. I'm talking about today polytheism. You say, what in the world is polytheism? Well, monotheism is one God. Polytheism is you believe there's more than one God. I hate to bust Oprah's bubble. But I want to remind you this morning, there's only one God. There's one true God. You can call anything else you want to. There's one way to get to, to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. You don't come that way, you don't come. Period. So on all of this world of idealism and humanism and secularism, ecumenicalism, experientialism, emotionalism, and any other ism you want to put in there, none of those can stand up against the promises that God has made the church today. The church is going to be here. The church is going to be here with you. I've had people before, I'm leaving this church, you, you won't last. Hey, we wasn't counting on you when you were here. Huh? Listen, th this church don't belong to anybody in here. This church belongs to God. And you've heard me tell you a million times, if you can't get your bread buttered here, there's 97 Baptist churches within a five-mile radius of here. You Surely you'll go find one of them you'd like. And if not that, there's other denominations too. He said, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Wow. Jerry, did you know that Saint Davis right there? Huh? That's getting, ooh, there's Saint Vernon back there. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, he called you to be saint. You know what happens in this world today? Listen to me. Some of you came in here whipped and defeated. You need to be reminded of who you are. You've been saved. You've been sanctified. You are redeemed. You're part of the family of God. Don't come in here with your head bowed down. My soul, come in here and let's praise the Lord. The saints, sanctified. It means living in holiness. But the church that was united, the church that was on fire, the church that was a soul-winning church, now is divided. They're not united anymore. They're depressed. They're distressed. Why? Because they had let the world in the church. Now, I don't want to tick you off too bad this morning, but it amazes me that you can get thrown out of the Lions Club you can get thrown out of the Little League. You can get thrown out of the Masonic Lodge. But you're going to have a hard time getting thrown out of the New Testament church today. 
I mean, you can basically live any way you want to live. You can basically do anything you want to do. No shame, no embarrassment. I was reading, because uh, on my mama's side, all of those were preachers, all the way back to my great, 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 great grandfather. When you get back farther, they're Methodists, but they really wasn't Methodists. They were just Baptists, didn't know what they were. <laughs> they preached the Word of God. Now, my daddy's side was heathens, and we don't look a lot of, of those up. But, but uh, I love reading the old minutes. I've got all of the old minutes of Damascus Baptist Church down out of Corrigan. And a uh, little old country church, missionary Baptist church. My aunt was a member there, and I had a grandfather that was pastor there, and an uncle that was pastor there, and, and all of that. And they would have a business meeting. And they would call for, is everybody in fellowship with the church? And somebody would raise their hand. And they'd say, yes, sir, brother. I saw John Smith going in the liquor store two nights ago. They'd make a second. They'd throw John out of the church. Throw him out. He ain't a member here anymore. And then the next month, you'd read those minutes. John Smith repented. They restored him to full fellowship. You see, church discipline was never meant to throw anybody out. It was meant to bring them back to reconciliation with God. That's what discipleship, that's what discipline is all about. If you don't discipline, if you don't say, hey, you're going down the wrong road. You're, you're headed down the wrong road. And you say, well, they're not going to like you. I think they'll like me more now if I tell them the truth than if I tell them a lie and they go to hell. He reminds these people in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. And he has a whole list of things. And then he says this in verse 11. Such were some of you. <laughs> Such were some of you. Hmm? But you know what he says? But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Paul was reminding them that in the midst of all of the wickedness, in the midst of all of the evilness, that some of y'all put those magazines down. Some of y'all turned that internet off. Some of y'all threw that bottle away. Some of you have taken the drugs and flushed them down the toilet. And he's saying this now. Some of you, I think he goes on to say, you had a hard time with your marriage, but some of you have now loved your wives and your children, and you've come together as a family, and you're going straight, not because you turned over a new leaf, not because you went to rehab, not because you're part of a social club, not because you took some medicine or shook some hand or went through the baptism. You got this way because you were saved by the grace of God. That's why you got this way. It's not something you did. Salvation is all God and none you. It's a give and take situation. God gives it and you take it. That's what salvation is. Now, you talk about a church that was messed up. 
This was an on-fire church. They were great. But you look through 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he deals with their carnality. Chapter 5, he deals with their incest. Now listen now, this is not written to the world. This is written to the church. He's talking about these things going on in the church. You get down to chapter 6, they're taking each other to court. You get to chapter 8 and 9, they're getting each other confused, and it's causing their brethren to stumble and to fall. You get to chapters 12 through 14, they're messed up about their spiritual gifts, and they don't know, they're all confused. And then to put the icing on the cake, you get to chapter 15, and they are messed up on the resurrection. You want to talk about a messed up church? <laughs> you just read the book of 1 Corinthians. These people were messed up. But Paul said, the reason you are is because you've let the world get into you. You've forgotten who you are. You're saved. And because you're saved, Jesus has made a difference in your life. Now, just two things and I'm through. Number one, there's an expectancy of saved people. There's an expectancy. We, we ought to be expected to be a little higher because we're not lost. We've been delivered from darkness into light. God's taken a city of immorality and perversion and wickedness, and they're trying to explain salvation. They can't do it. Because the reason they can't do it is you can't manufacture salvation. You can't duplicate it. You can't counterfeit it. You can't drum it up. You can't emotionalize it. Salvation is all God and none of man. That's exactly why the security of the believer is so important. When you understand you didn't do anything to get your salvation, you can't do anything to lose your salvation. The security of the believer. Now, you got to make sure you got it. Because just as sure as I believe in the security of the believer, I believe in the insecurity of the unbeliever. There's a lot of people running around saying, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but I don't see him here this morning. No flesh should glory in his presence. Why? The expectancy of saved people ought to be higher than that of lost people. You expect the world, I mean, the, the language of this world, young people, y'all need to learn some new words. Man, I'm telling you, the way I hear people talk today, uh, I remember the first day that I said the word darn, D-A-R-N. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting on this end of the couch. There was an end table there. Mama had them big old lamps with them big old shades around them. And I said something about darn, and she slapped me right off the side of that couch. <laughs> you say, you're not supposed to hit a kid like that. I didn't ever say that word in front of her again. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, there's an expectancy of saved people. Do you know that when you got up to leave this morning, your neighbors that may not be saved, they, they know where you're going. And when you don't get up and leave, they know where you're not going. Amen?
Now, we're living in a day where everybody says, oh, well, my church is not doing real services. We're doing live stream. We're doing it all. I, I challenge you. If you want to stay home, stay home. I'm looking for the people that want the glory of God to fall in this place. I mean, we, we need some old-fashioned revival services. If you, if you want to stay home, stay home. Listen to the Word of God, you know. Click through the channels there and send 100000 over to Kenneth. And he needs it to buy that $54 million airplane. Let me move on. <laughs> the expectancy of saved people and then the example of saved people. We ought to be different. 1 Corinthians 6.20. Mm, you're bought with a price. He said, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now, that would have been all right if he stopped there. He didn't stop there. Glorify your body and your spirit. When we start talking about uh, you're bought with a price, glorify God, everybody immediately wants to turn that into money. You got to give. L listen, nobody's ever had a giving problem. It's a heart problem. When you get your heart right, you don't mind giving. You'll give everything you got. But he didn't stop there. He said, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know what he's saying? Your body belongs to God. I didn't say that. That's what he said. Your spirit belongs to God. Your spiritual life belongs to God. Your physical life belongs to God. Glorify God because it all belongs to Him. Not just money, everything. Hmm. <clears throat> God did this work of redemption. It's what Christmas is all about. Sinners. Lost and undone, souls shaped for in iniquity, hell-bound future, perversion, all that mess. And through Christmas, God slips in a plan where a sinner can become a saint. <laughs> Good gracious, have mercy. He slips in a plan in a manger where a lost person can be found. He slips in a plan where a blind person can see. He slips in a plan where a dead person can live again. That's the God we serve. And when God had finished, <clears throat> when God had finished his plan, there's no man there's no woman, there's no young person, child. There's no religion, there's no church, there's no pastor, there's no priest, there's no elder, there's no bishop, there's no apostle that can take credit for any of it. It all belongs to him. That's why he says, if you go to glory, glory in the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. 
You know what? That's why we can sing that old song, to God be the glory of great things he had done. So loved he the world he gave his, us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Hmm. I was looking up another song this week. I wasn't looking it up. It just popped up. It's one of Elvis Presley's last uh, records. Paul Anka actually wrote the song, I think. And the name of the song is, uh, I Did It My Way. Now the end is near, so I face the final curtain, my friend. I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was a doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed, I've cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. Now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing. To think I did all that, and my, I say not in a shy way. Oh, no, oh, no, not me. I did it my way. I, I want to tell you, I, I'm not here to decide whether Elvis was saved or not. That's way above my pay grade. I hope he was. He could, nobody could sing precious memories like Elvis. But wouldn't it have been nice if old Elvis would have been singing, instead of I did it my way, have thine own way, Lord? Thou art the potter, I'm the clay. There was a young man that came forth during an invitation for, uh, during a service, and the preacher was saying, let go and let God have his way. 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 And the young man came forth during the invitation. Some other friends of his went, and, but he just didn't have a peace. He went back to his college dorm that night. Let God, let God. Nope, I'm not, going to, I'm not ready. Let God, let God. He wrestled with it all night. Next day during his class, every thought, let God, let God, let God. Couldn't get any peace. He went home that afternoon after classes and took some old cardboard, pulled out his pocket knife, and cut out some letters that said, let God. And he put them up on his dorm wall. That night, he kept looking at them, let God. No, I, I can't do that. Let God. Let God, no peace. Went to bed all night, he wrestled with it. He got up the next morning, and the D in God had fallen off the wall. And the wall read, let go. I think I'm talking to some folk this morning. You've had time after time to be saved. You've had time after time to get your life in order with the Lord. And what you really need this morning is to just let go. You just need to let go. Say, preacher, it's Christmas. I can't think of a better time of the year 
to let go. Uh, when God comes to judge you, he is not going to judge you based on what somebody else did. Because some of you are sitting here saying, well, I'm as good as so-and-so. So-and-so is not going to be your judge. I remember years ago, just like yesterday, I was frying pork chops over a stove. Barbara Walters was interviewing Dr. Billy Graham. And she asked Dr. Graham, is there anything that you want to see happen that you haven't seen happen? I mean, you're such a great evangelist. Thousands of people have been saved. And Billy Graham said this. He said, there's one thing I'd like to see happen. I don't think it will, but I'd like to see it. I would like to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I just turned the pork chops off and sat down. I thought, good grief, if he ain't got it, there ain't no reason me even try. <laughs> but you know what? God's not going to hold me accountable for what he blessed Billy Graham with. And God's not going to hold you accountable for what he's blessed somebody else with. God's going to hold you accountable for you with what God has given you. Some of you say, well, I could sing. Boy, I tell you, I've got a good voice. Well, to whom much is given, much is required. What are you doing with it? Some of you making great money and everything. Hey, that's great. What are you doing with it for the kingdom of God? I got wrote in my Bible here from the 80s a scripture in 1 Corinthians, verse 18. Listen to what it says. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, I've written right here, and with an arrow drawn down to it, it says this, either you are foolishly lost or powerfully saved. And that sums it up right there. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to gather, to sing, to praise you, hear your word. And I pray this morning there are people in this congregation they don't need a better job. They don't need a better home. They don't need a better car. What they need more than anything else is a right relationship with the Holy God. And I pray this morning your spirit would have control to do as you please. Lord, some need to be saved. Some already saved and just need to come and just, Lord, get back with you. Get back on the straight and narrow way to remind themselves of who they are. They're a sinner saved by grace, child of the King. Lord, this is your invitation. Do as you please. In Jesus' name, amen.